Our second lesson today and our sermon series begins in 2 Timothy today as we go through each chapter of that letter from Paul to Timothy, from the Holy Spirit to us. 2 Timothy chapter 1, our reading begins in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me, Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. The Word of the Lord. The Apostle Paul is writing what some call his last will and testament. Most agree that this is Paul's last letter, last epistle. But we need to hear this morning as we come to 2 Timothy and engage in this letter these next four weeks that the Holy Spirit is writing through Paul to the church. To Timothy to be sure, but also to you and to me. The Holy Spirit is giving us guardrails for life. And not just any life, but life in Christ. Those guardrails keep us on the path to eternal life. What you protect is what you love. And what you love is what you live for. And so we are led to ask this morning, what do we live for? The guards at a bank are willing to protect the deposit with deadly force. What are we willing to do to guard the deposit God has entrusted us with of much greater value than silver or gold? 
Second Timothy talks about guarding the deposit. Timothy is already a third generation Christian. And now he's tasked, as you and I are tasked, to guard, which is that is to protect or keep or observe, live for. What deposit in your life are you protecting? What deposit in your life do you love? What are you living for? This deposit, as commentators will note, as it's written about in this first chapter of 2 Timothy, is beautiful, wonderful, most importantly, worthy. You better be sure that what you protect, what you love, what you live for, is worthy of your life. And we hear the promise anew again in this letter to know that this gospel promise, this deposit entrusted to us, is worthy of your very life. But what do you do when what you live for is in peril or under attack? Well, that's the circumstance that Paul writes to. And we're reminded that the harsh persecution of the church began around 64 to 68 AD. This letter, many will agree, was written about 67 AD. So right at the beginning of this harsh persecution of the church. What do you do when it gets hot? When it gets difficult? When life is hard? When what we believe is challenged? came across the parable to consider that question. Maybe it's a parable that you've read. It's making its way around the internet. It's about a carrot, an egg, and a coffee bean. Not a joke. And when they each encounter a pot of boiling hot water, they respond differently, don't they? A carrot softens. An egg hardens. And here's my favorite part. A coffee bean transforms that hot water into something else. So, many of us today become like carrots when it comes to persecution, when it comes to challenge. We know from a recent study that four, just four, in ten Americans believe in the God of the Bible, believe that the Bible is the Word of God and that it describes who God is and what He's done for us. But also four in ten Americans believe that spiritual powers rest in physical objects like a mountain or a stone or a crystal. Four in ten Americans also believe in psychics. The sad truth is is that even some of us who come believing in the Word also add those other beliefs to our list of ways of life. The problem is those ways of life outside of this Word, outside of the guardrails that God has given us, 
given us lead to our destruction. So many of us become like carrots and we just become receptive and soft to all these other quote-unquote truths instead of holding fast to what Paul calls here in 2 Timothy the sound words of truth. Some of us become hardened like the egg. The harshness of life, the challenges from others, Our hearts become hard to God's Word and we walk away from it. Or maybe it's the brokenness of this world that's hardened us or the the suffering or heartbreak that you've encountered. Sometimes the harshness and hot world that we live in cause us to have hard hearts. But we are being invited today and challenged and encouraged and stirred on by the Holy Spirit here in this letter to not become soft or hard like our little parable here, but to be transforming agents of the gospel. And not only to stand fast to those hot waters, but transform them. And let the power of the Holy Spirit within us, as verse 14 says, transform the world around us with this good news of the gospel. So who are you? Are you being burnt by the hot water of this world? Are you so anchored in this deposit of the gospel entrusted to you that God is using you to change the world around you for his sake? The background in this letter is important because In 1 Timothy, we heard that there's a battle against false teaching of heresy. This backdrop illuminates for us why he's writing again in the second letter. It gets personal in verse 4. There are tears. I remember you with tears. This letter is being written in love. We're talking about spending eternity with those with whom and for whom you love or not. As Calvin wrote, this letter is not merely written in ink. It's with Paul's lifeblood. But more than that, it's written in the sacrificial blood of Christ shed for you. I hope you hear the passion in this letter this morning. This love this letter that comes not just from Paul to Timothy, but from the Holy Spirit to you. And in verse 5 and 6, it tells us, this sincere faith given to you now, fan the flame, let it spread and grow. Here we hear in Timothy, this third generation Christian. And so we're tasked with passing on our faith to the next generations. We do that in our homes. We do that with our family. But we do that with our friends and our co-workers, and our schoolmates, and all those for whom God has given us influence, for we do that for Christ's sake. Believe me, I know preaching about evangelism and about living out this path of discipleship is much easier than living it. I know how hard it is to know what to say and when to say it. Not everyone in my extended family shares the faith that we do, and it's heartbreaking. 
And when I'm with them, as I was this last week, knowing how to share the truth of the Gospel in love is challenging. But God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, as verse 7 says, but boldness. It may be that Timothy failed to achieve some wonder, as we get some hints in certain parts of both these letters, to achieve its purpose, that Timothy and the church were taking some awful hits. They were getting beaten down and were under some attack. And they needed to be encouraged to stand firm and to, to be bold. To be, we know that Timothy wanted to be faithful, but would he stand without fear as a great messenger, a vessel? Well, isn't it good news that God uses imperfect people like Timothy and imperfect people like you and me to bear the good news of the gospel to the world? It's like as if Paul is giving us and the Holy Spirit is giving us a mid-game pep talk here in this letter. Keep going. Hold on to that good deposit. Don't stray from this sound word. And I like how one commentator put it, if, if you sense that God is calling you to do something far beyond your natural abilities, you can take heart from Timothy's life. In truth, God is always calling us to minister beyond our natural endowments, no matter how great they are. And so, we hear why in verses 9 and 10. Because restated for us anew and again is this power of the gospel. God's power because it's inseparable from God's grace. And I like how William Barclay put it. There are few passages in the New Testament which have in them and behind them such a sense of sheer grandeur of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we get in verses 9 and 10. We're reminded that Jesus is our only hope. If you're on a sinking ship, you don't want to get into a lifeboat that's got a hole in its hull. You don't want to grab a life preserver that sinks. You want to hold on to something real, someone real. That real person is Jesus. Jesus really rose from the dead and only Jesus can defeat death. When I scattered my dad's ashes just a couple of days ago in his beloved Puget Sound, it was a great remembrance of what he loved and who he was. But more importantly than remembering those beautiful waters on the sound were the words that I read just before. Jesus' words where he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Though you die, those who believe in me, yet shall you live. That's the promise that we have anchored for us in Christ. My dad is not floating with the fishes. He is with Jesus awaiting the bodily resurrection when Christ comes again. This is the hope that we share in Christ. This deposit is wonderful and beautiful and should not be shortchanged for anything else. In logic, the word sound, as we hear in this text today, reminds us that an argument is both a valid form of thinking and it's true. 
The gospel isn't just a valid form of spirituality. It is true. It is the, not a, but the way of life. And so we have these guardrails in God's word and by the power of the Holy Spirit to keep us and to put us on this path. The beautiful deposit is worthy of your life because God, as it says in verse 12, himself guards it for you. Now this word guard gets translated in interesting ways here from belief to entrust with a couple of different Greek words there. But this deposit, this interchange now between entrust and believe get interesting. But either way, guard is meant to be kept and to lived out. To follow the pattern like a good architect patterns of these sound words. So what is that pattern? To receive that deposit first. To receive that gift that He's given us. God's plan is both historical and made possible now by His grace. And so we guard it with sound teaching from those in and outside the church that would go off the guardrails into peril. Anything added or subtracted from this gospel takes us over the edge. This passage comes with love, with tears of love for you and for me. And so if you love humanity, then you will love to tell this story because you love those around you. So how do we guard this deposit? We'll begin by receiving it. We begin by reading it. And living it out, whether it's coming to a sound teaching, a Bible study hosted here, or in your home, it is the Word of God revealed to us that gives us life. And so in the boiling point of this world, you'll either soften, harden, or live faithfully a sound life that's making disciples. And that's the invitation for us today in this word from God. As he writes in verse 9, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our work, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus. Friends, what you protect is what you love, and what you love is what you live for. So now, by the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, who dwells within us. Guard, keep, observe, live out this good deposit entrusted in you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.